On this episode of The Philly Report, we examine how Arlen Hamilton built a venture capitalist fund, Backstage Capital, from the ground up while homeless. Now, Arlen funds women, people of color, and LGBTQ founders. Arlen, thank you so much for being here with us today. I am so ecstatic about being able to have you on this show. I have followed you, your career, your Instagram, when you probably had about maybe a thousand followers. So I'm a mega fan. And uh, (laughs) as just a Black founder in this space, I know what a rarity oddity we are. So thank you so much. I mean, just for gracing us. So for you all that do not know, which is like maybe 0.0%, Arlen Hamilton is the CEO and founder of Backstage Capital. She and her um, and her team have invested in more than 7 million, have invested more than $7 million in 130 companies um, that are led by the underrepresented founders. It's so, I love the quote on your site that um, most most VCs sees as a, see this as a pipeline problem, but you all see this as the biggest opportunity to invest. And yes. so I, again, thank you so much for being here on the show with us. Thank you for having me here. Absolutely. So you don't get to have your book on the end cap of Target um, by not having failures, by not having setbacks. I listened to your first million, so I know a lot about your story, but I would really love for you to share uh, with our now 10,000 downloaders. Thank you guys so much for your support. I know, right, sir. About your story, you know, who you are and how did you get to be um, on the end cap of Target? Yeah. Uh, so as you said, I, I, I launched Backstage Capital. I launched it officially two, uh, sorry, five years ago. We were celebrating our fifth year anniversary this month. Um, and uh, before that, I, I lived in, I was born in Jackson, Mississippi, raised in Dallas, Texas with my mother, my mother and my younger brother, um, who are still, who are in Texas now. And uh, kind of bounced around a lot. Did never had any money. We never had any kind of real capital, but bounced around a lot as an adult. Uh, but I'll be turning forty this year, so that tells you kind of where I am there. But for twenties and, and early thirties, just bounced around. But always, always believed in something big and that something big was going to happen. I, I always knew it since I was probably five years old that there was going to, that a lot of people would know the work that I did. It was, it's an odd feeling to say that, but it's how I felt and mm-hmm. um, didn't ever quite catch, you know, things I worked on never quite caught fire. It was just sort of like, it was really exciting and fun but the the economics never worked out and then around 30 I started learning more and more about Silicon Valley and startups and through different you know events and and what I chronicle uh uh, in detail in my book it's about damn time that just came out this year Mm -hmm. I decided I'm going to instead of starting a company which is what I wanted to do I decided I'm going to invest in companies and not only am I going to invest in companies but I'm only going to invest in companies that are led by women by people of color and LGBTQ founders uh, because I learned that 90% of all venture capital, that money that goes into those early stage innovative companies goes to white men. Yeah. And white men only make up about a third of the country. So it just didn't make sense that they were getting three X what they were supposed to be getting, you know, essentially, especially when it was all built on our backs. So I, I set out and I said, you know, it, it wasn't so much a militant kind of thing or uh, us versus them. It was just sort of trying to level the playing field and make things right. And um, for several years, didn't get much traction and then ultimately was able to f- put together a few people who believed in what I was doing. 
started getting investments, started making investments. And now that's where we are actually have raised now about 12 million have deployed about 10 million into about 150 companies, uh, just 20 in the last this year. So it's, it's been amazing. Yeah. It's been moving. Um, but it's all, like you said, it's, it's, you don't get there like an even kind of linear path. It's been a lot of ups and downs. That's it. And that's what I think is so beautiful, A, about life, but even about the reports that we share here on the Philly Report is that I started this podcast um, and web series specifically for individuals to be able to know that you don't get here by circumstance. You know what I mean? It seems so magical to say, and in five years, we're able to invest, you know, deploy $10 million. It ain't been no crystal stairs, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. And exactly. so this, you know, the idea of where you, where you started is absolutely beautiful, but you know, what was that failure that said, you know what, I, I can continue to go on or I can actually do this. You know what I mean? Like what happened? What's that? I had a, um, one that was earlier that I didn't quite understand what it was meant for, but this is when I think of failure. Cause I don't think of failure very often. I don't think of things as failures in life. Mm-hmm. Um, Never. certainly, but, but this one, I felt like it felt like failure at the time for sure is when I started in my 20s, I started a music magazine. And it was a print magazine called Interlude. And it had, uh, at the time, it had like really interesting people on the cover, mostly from the indie world, uh, like Jenny Lewis from Rilo Kiley and All American Rejects, that kind of vibe to it. Mm -hmm. I I wanted it to be different. I wanted it to be surprising for people. And it had a lot of readers, a lot of people who bought it. But I was underselling and under, uh, you know, undervaluing myself. So I sold it for too little compared to what it cost. Mm -hmm. And I also, um, you know, was just doing it kind of not the business side of it on my own. I didn't know much about anything. Mm -hmm. Then we kind of, it it went under a little bit. They came back, brought it back. It was now a magazine for women who like women. And so it had Margaret Cho and Missy Higgins on the covers and Tegan and Sarah and all these different people on the covers. Um, And I just... I ran out. I never had enough capital. I'm Dion Stokes, and I mindfully curated the Ambition Planner for ambitious women of faith like you. I am the CEO and founder of Forensic Marketing Agency, the host of two podcasts. I've created a tech company, and I'm a wife. So needless to say, my schedule is ambitious. So I was looking for a planner that was going to be able to keep me spiritually grounded. I was looking for something to be able to provide a budget, you know, give me an hour by hour to-do list and a culturally inclusive planner. And I couldn't find it anywhere. So I took my disappointment and I channeled it into creating the Ambition Planner. You know how they say in 21 days you can break a habit? Well, in 90 days, you can change your life. The Ambition Planner is the only planner that provides you a space where you can focus on your short-term goals so that you can achieve your most ambitious dreams. In addition to helping you to achieve your most ambitious goals, we donate a percentage of every single planner sold to a female-founded nonprofit organization because we believe that when one woman levels up, we all level up. If you would like more information or to purchase an Ambition Planner, please visit our website at theambitionplanner.com and get ready to start on your next ambitious journey. I never had enough capital to begin with with it. Mm -hmm. And I just ran out of money. And I ran out of money right when we were trying to go to our next, you know, the Mm -hmm. next issue. And I had subscribers. It wasn't like they were just waiting for that one-off. People had subscribed. And it was one of the worst feelings in the world Mm -hmm. to have to say, I tried everything. 
And I just don't have it anymore. I don't have it to give to you. And on top of that, I can't refund you because I don't have it. (laughs) And, you know, we're talking about, I mean, literally talking about $15 or something, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but people, people care. I mean, $15 is sometimes two or three hours of work for people after taxes. So people care about that money. Mm -hmm. And uh, I felt like that moment felt it was really a dark time for me. Mm. That was 2008. Yeah. Now, what I didn't understand about that at 28, 27 and 28, mm-hmm. was that the entire country was going through this economic issue, right? But I saw it as, oh, you failed. You messed up, right? You can relate, right? So oh, yeah. that was a big one for me where I, ne- I was like, I, I, I didn't learn it in the moment, but what I learned was I don't ever want to be in that position again. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be at zero. Unfortunately, I got to zero many, many times after that and uh, found myself homeless, found myself with housing insecurity. I was on food stamps for a couple of times for a while when I could be. And I'm thankful for those food stamps. Let's be clear. Uh, (laughs) Yes, I am very thankful for it. And I think if you're on food stamps, you should not be ashamed of that because that's you get that because you put money into the system. That's the system paying you back. And so I have no issue with that. But it had gotten to that point where... You know, you, when you're put on a budget of what you can eat and what you can't, it, it gets to, uh, you know, it messes with you, with you a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that, and then, you know, seeing that in my rear view, when I got ready to really start backstage, helped me say, I know where I never want to be again. That's right. I never want to be in a position where anybody else has, a, has the ability to make me go to zero, mm-hmm. where I don't know where I'm going to stay, where I don't know if I'm going to sleep, where I'm going to eat. Mm-hmm. That to me is there's it's a non-negotiable today. Yeah, yeah, not happening. And the thing of it is, is that I say this often uh, when I have the privilege of speaking, is that failures happen for us, and not to us. But we can't see them in the moment. In the moment, mm-hmm. it's happening to me. To me, it's happening that I can't get my subscribe. You know, I don't have the money to be able to provide this magazine. To me, is this. To me, is the people that are yeah. going to be upset because I can't give them the money back. But what it did. That failure, which I don't believe in failures either. I believe in only these, these situations, you know, propel us to success. Mm -hmm. But that situation, that failure was what made you say, I'm never doing that again. I'm not living like that again. I'm not. And and then you were able to take everything that you've learned and then be able to support other, other founders with this, with backstage capital. So how day one of backstage capital, were you like WTF or did you say, you know what? I've been through this. I know I can do it. How did that work? Oh yeah. It was completely, it was, I was being pulled towards it. It was nothing where I was like, what am I supposed to do now? It was, I, have taken this time to research, to talk to people, to talk to hundreds and hundreds of people, to founders, to investors, to research all of the trades, to keep up on a day-to-day basis. I'm ready. Now they need to catch up to me with the capital. And so that, I mean, and that wasn't the case with everything else. Everything else was sort of like, ah, I kind of fell fell into it, or I definitely had a drive, but it was like, I got to figure it out once I get there. This to me was there was no doubt that this fund needed to exist and that, and I understood who I was serving. I understood what was the, the, the plan and the outcome that mm-hmm. I wanted to see. The yeah. outcome has now surpassed what I had dreamed. So that's really wonderful. And it's just getting started in my opinion. Just, so yeah. all of that was there, but it was because of those other issues, you know, those, that 15 years of being an adult before hitting it at nine, at 35, yeah prepared me for all those things. So what, what, what is really helpful is that when I meet founders, 
especially founders who are from underrepresented groups, underestimated groups, as we call them. Mm-hmm. And they, t- they, you know, they're timid and they're like, you know, I got to tell you, um, I, I didn't really do my payroll correctly, or I didn't know how, who to hire for this or that and the other. I did, you know, our papers look really messed up. Mm. I'm like, you don't, you don't have to worry about that with me. Like, yeah. we're going to get you back to where you're supposed to be because there is, you know, we want to get you on level playing field, but you don't have to feel shame around me and tell me what it's like to have to split your hard-earned money between yourself and family back home. Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah. a that's something that a lot of these founders out here who are from more traditional quote unquote backgrounds don't quite understand yeah. is that when they're like celebrating themselves for their accomplishments, there's very little that is uh, the same when it comes mm-hmm. to the things that they have to get through. Now I'm not saying that they that none of them have issues. A lot of people have, everybody has something, but uh, it just makes me, it helps me be more relatable to the founders and it helps me understand where they're coming from because I am a founder. Right. This just happens to be the the product and service I have chosen to build it upon. To build. Yeah. That's absolutely amazing, Arlen. So, you know, when, when we are really set with those situations, especially with our failures. I love to be able to look at those as opportunities, you know, for success. And I bring, I, I, I encourage them. The more, the more often I fail, the more I know I'm on to something. You know what I mean? Because you don't get to get to that level. You don't get to even touch it or see the promised land without knowing that I'm almost, you know, where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So Arlen, I, I know that I hate that we have to run, but I really would love for everybody to be able to know where to find you. So I need to know all the things I need to know where to find on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, all of those things. And then the very last thing we're going to do is play a little game called one's gotta go. So first, where can we find you? Second, we'll play a small game and then we'll be out of here. So where can we find you? Uh, Mainly I spend time on Instagram and Twitter and both are uh, Arlen was here. A-R-L-A-N was here. And uh, I spend, I'm on both daily and try to keep up with comments as much as I can there. And uh, I am on on LinkedIn. Uh, You can find me on LinkedIn. I don't keep it updated (laughs) like I should, but, uh, and I don't use it as much as I should, but I will get better at that. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can also find me, find the hub of everything that I do at itsaboutdamntime.com. That's the name of my new book. Itsaboutdamntime.com. And there you can link to backstagecapital.com, which is my venture fund, which you'll learn all about our founders, about the companies we've invested in, which is my favorite part of the whole thing absolutely so the book the podcast the one you're missing we've got to know about your first million i love your podcast i'm a huge fan a huge subscriber we can find you on spotify at uh your first million on spotify radio so one's gotta go i'm gonna give you three choices you tell me which one has to go thanksgiving sides macaroni and cheese dressing or collard greens oh dressing dressing can go dressing can go by (laughs) (laughs) one platform has got to go netflix hulu or cable television or youtube we'll get a fourth one in there oh if it's youtube is in there youtube can go but if it's not then uh, cable can go cable can go okay cities can go this one's a little touchy oh that is that is sensitive yes it is la chicago new york or miami oh no i'm not touching that (laughs) no i'm not touching that (laughs) Not with a big stick, because the moment that you're like, stay. <laughs> they can all stay. I love you all. Can find my all. Stay. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, nah, but it's just, you know, I got, I got founders in all of those cities and I appreciate every, everyone. Every and I've lived in, I've lived in two of the, of the four. Of the four. Absolutely. I love that. She's the biggest heart ever. She's like, absolutely not touching that. Arlen, <laughs> thank you so much for being here with me today. You have been such a pleasure. I did not fan out the way that I, I thought I was going to. So I appreciate you just being real, kind, genuine, and then sharing your failure report with us. Because like I said, our failures make us stronger and your failures and your successes have been outstanding to be able to watch. So for us at Watch From Afar, thank you for, for what you do for individuals. Thank you so much. I appreciate this. I think it's a really creative and uh, a helpful podcast and way, what way you do this. Absolutely. Thank you again, Harlan. Thank you so much. Thank you to those who sponsored and supported this episode. And the biggest thank you to Sophia Mobley Photography and Videography for being the dopest producer, sound engineer, and editor in the land. Please like, share, and subscribe at The Failure Report on YouTube, Facebook, Facebook Watch, Instagram, IGTV, and on Twitter at Report Failure since The Failure Report was taken. You can listen on Spotify, iTunes Podcasts, or wherever you consume content. To get notifications on our upcoming episodes, please visit our website at thefailurereport.org. There you can subscribe to become a fellow failure and get access to our blog and merchandise. We have things like mugs, t-shirts, notepads, you know, all the things. I'm Dion Stokes. Thanks so much for listening.